Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. So I'm going to ask the only person that can relate on the entire building on this. Jeff, do you have any idea why I'm playing this song right now? Don't you forget about me. Yeah, you know why I'm playing it? No. The, the movie, The Breakfast Club, was set on a Saturday morning detention, March 24th, 1984. 39 years ago. Okay. This is going to cause outrage in the newsroom, but they won't be surprised to hear me say I've never seen I know. The Breakfast Club. I know. You've told me this once before, and I yeah. was absolutely what? godsmacked. Oh, I've never seen The Breakfast Club. How could that be? It's real simple. I don't go to movies a lot. Oh, there is a thing called Netflix and Amazon Prime. Yeah, and I use Netflix to watch MASH and Frasier. <laughs> yeah, so I got it. I just don't use it on movies. So for all the 80s kids out there, I just saw this come across my uh, 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 my brother's put it up in a family post. The movie was released in 1985 in February, but the movie is set March 24th of 1984, 39 years ago. Yep. Yes, we are. We are old. It's official. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, so, Mike, does this mean next year we'll celebrate the 40th anniversary absolutely. of the day? We will. The 40th anniversary of the detention. You know, I actually own, uh, uh, you'll, you'll think this is funny. Nobody else will know what I'm talking about. I actually own a members-only jacket. And I actually have a pair of the Gargoyle uh, uh, 44 Blue sunglasses. Um, so we're next year, I'm going to wear them on the show just in honor of the 80s. Um, I didn't do members only. You didn't? But I did shop at Chess King. Did, <laughs> did you have painter's pants? Parachute pants? Any of that uh, stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, no pictures remain. But that, it, How bad would it have been if we'd had cell phone pictures when we oh, were? No. <laughs> Thank no. goodness. No, no, no. See, God is good. There's just the truth <laughs> in that God is good. Um, all right, back to the real topics. I just wanted to do a flashback for a moment. Now, 39 years ago was the setting of the movie. Um, now, on a serious note, two people have been indicted for human smuggling along the Arizona border. But this is part of the issue. We had a good conversation yesterday with Senator Kirsten Cinema and her conversation with the president of Mexico on a couple of topics. One of them is of fentanyl and how to stop some of the chemicals that are being brought into Mexico that make the fentanyl that makes its way to the U.S. That was part of it. The other part of it had to do with border protection and uh, what can be done on the Mexican side of the border to help the U.S. with this big border problem we have. But this story, this is why this is such a, a, a really hard thing to grasp for anybody that's not spent time on the border. I've been to the border many times in Arizona. I've been to the border a couple of times in Texas. And this is, I want you to hear this. The pair are believed to have been working with other smugglers to facilitate the travel of large numbers of migrants from Bangladesh, Yemen, Pakistan, uh Eritrea, India, the United Arab Emirates, Uzbekistan, Russia, Egypt, Brazil, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico, all into the United States. So we're not talking about Mexico. We're not talking about Central America. We're talking about them being part of a syndicate that uh, smuggled people into this country from all over the world. This is a national security issue. We keep saying it. Many of us believe it intellectually, but this is the enormity of what we face. Um, I, I, I've talked over and over recently about the, the about the uh, the documentary. I watched it again called Cocaine Cowboys about the 80s and what the federal government eventually did. 
and how they interceded before anything real got done. We are going to need a major overhaul and a major effort at the southern border. There is a difference here between Colombia, which there was a lot of cooperation from the Colombian government at one time because they were being overridden by the cartels in their own country. But we have a vested interest in a number of ways. Now, there are a lot of Colombians that live in the U.S. There's no doubt about that. But the connection between Mexican-Americans and their families in Mexico, there is a huge family connection, the business connections. They are our neighbors to the south, the national security implications, along with the um, with the trade issues. But there we have a vested interest. A destabilized Mexico is a danger to the U.S., an immediate danger to the U.S., so this idea of smugglers on the border and there are people sneaking in from Mexico that just want jobs, that's not the case. There are people coming here from all over the world. We understand after 9-11 that people have abused our visa systems. They were all people on overstayed visas. They weren't sneaking into the country illegally, although they were here illegally in many cases with the terrorists on 9-11. This is a bigger problem than just whether or not it's hungry people looking for a meal and a way to feed their families. It is much more um, Diverse than that, it is much more deep than that. And the longer we continue to allow these emotional arguments instead of looking at the reality of this, the worse off we're going to be. These syndicates, these groups of people that are organized, anytime you have an immense amount of money being made, you have people that want to be A, organized, and B, they want to protect their ability to do it. So these are people here in Arizona. That have been indicted in this crime and they have been they are accused at least of bringing people from Bangladesh and Yemen and Pakistan and all of these other countries. Now, are those people terrorists? We don't know. We don't know. Are they just good people that are trying to find a way in life? I hope so. And I think, again, I'll I'll give you my caveat I always do. We should have a better immigration system. There's no doubt in my mind we should have a better immigration system. But that has nothing to do with the border security issues we face. It's like saying that if we don't get rid of the the cartels in Miami, um, it's going to hammer the the tourist industry. We don't have people here anymore. It It was a huge financial hit to the city of Miami, by the way. When they got rid of the cartels in Miami, or at least they they put a big dent in what was happening in Miami in the 80s, um, a lot of that city was built with cocaine money. That didn't mean it was the right thing to do inside that city, and it didn't mean it didn't need to change. Banks failed. There were banks everywhere, banks being propped up by billions of dollars. They were laundering cocaine money. That doesn't mean it's right, and it doesn't mean it's good for the community. We've got a real nasty border security issue going on right now, and as a nation, we have to take it much more seriously. The federal government needs to dedicate a lot more resources and attention to this issue. And here we are, Arizona, all of us here in Arizona looking at this issue, this problem. This is happening under our nose. And I think the more we talk about it, the more our leadership is going to have to address it. At least I hope that's what ends up happening. I want to go back to a topic from earlier, and this is the economy. We'll get into more of the local things. But a poll, and it's a Wall Street Journal poll along with another organization, shows that a big number of American adults are concerned and they don't believe that their children will be better off than they are financially. We'll talk about the economy next. Strong values and strong 
opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, good time to remind you, legendary legendary rock and rollers, uh, and that would be, of course, uh, Hall of Famers Billy Joel, Stevie Nicks are headed to Chase Field one night only. Get down there and see them. Um, you can win a pair of tickets. Uh, they go on sale today, by the way. They're already on sale, but you can still win a pair of tickets. Go on the contest page at KTAR.com. Um, I, I went on kind of on a rant on kind of what we're doing the opposite, I think, to fix the economic problems we have. And and so I want to kind of go down the road just a little bit about the economy in just a moment. Um, and it is interesting. First of all, I want you to hear a little bit of the reaction. Rebecca Jarvis from ABC was talking about how Wall Street is responding to what Powell had to say, the head of the Fed, about interest rates going up again and then also about them possibly leveling off. Now with stocks higher is that it's looking forward as opposed to backwards. And even though Fed Chair Powell hiked interest rates again yesterday, the ninth rate in the last year, and they've been aggressive. So uh, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this. Uh, she is the White House spokesperson. And here's what she said about the impact of inflation. We've been saying we understand what the American people is feeling. That's not all lost on us. That's why we've made it a priority to do everything that we can to lower costs for Americans. Yeah, they keep saying this. And there's a frustration here in people reacting too late. But let's talk about what happens locally. Um, there are members of the Phoenix City Council. This is where political differences come into play. Ideological differences come into play. Phoenix City Council members are pushing for prevailing wage ordinances. Um, the same council members plus Yasmin Ansari pushed for a similar ordinance in 2021, but five other council members rejected it over concerns that it appeared to conflict with state law. So here's the, here's a quote. And what I mean by – I'll explain prevailing wage in a moment if you don't understand what it is because you've not been in construction. We believe it's time for leadership to address the lack of skilled construction workers needed to fill the rising demand for labor in Phoenix. Uh, raising the standards for skilled construction tradespeople working on city projects will lift up the standards for all construction workers and will allow Phoenix to thrive. The ordinance would require construction companies that are hired by the city um, for projects costing $250,000 or more to pay employees wages comparable to those of skilled laborers in the area. To enforce the measure, the ordinance adds wage reporting requirements for companies. Violations could result in civil penalties and suspension for workers for the city up to a year. Again, it's forcing people. It is more of an arbitrary thing, forcing people to raise wages. It's never helpful. We have huge wage increases here. What about the businesses that are employing? And what's what's crazy about this? And I want this is the part that drives me crazy. The private sector can't do this. When you look, and I'm not complaining, I'm observing. Look at the benefits that a city or a state employee is eligible for. When you look at someone, whether they are, let's say it's somebody that's working in kind of a clerical position. At the city level, they have got paid holidays. They have got a big benefit package with insurance. They have a retirement plan. They have a lot that's afforded them for working for the city. Sick days, paid sick days, things of that nature that the private sector many times can't keep up with. 
So the best and the brightest go into work for the government, and I don't blame them. You know, I encouraged my girls to find a job um, when they, before they found the careers they wanted. When they didn't know what they wanted to do, I said, well, get a job with one of the cities until you figure out what you want to do. At least you're in a place where you're taken care of in that way. But for, as someone who has run a small business, you can't keep up with that at times. So I can't arbitrarily say I'm going to charge more because I'm play, I'm paying my employees more. Can you imagine for anybody out there that's been a subcontractor where you've had to bid work? And generally speaking, and I don't know how it is now. It's been over 10 years since I had my subcontracting company. A general contractor usually takes three bids from every subcontractor on a job, sometimes more, but usually it's three. So you know you're bidding against a couple of other people and which number, which of those bids, and it's not always just the lowest price. There is other things that co- the contractors consider. But if you're outside of the box by a mile, your your bid's out. You're done because they're not going to do it. So if you bid a job, and they're saying jobs over $250,000. let us say you bid a job for it's about 300000 But because you're committed to this prevailing wage idea in your head, you say, I'm paying my people more. So instead of it being 300000 it's going to be 315000 318000 320000 because of the extra money I have to pay my employees. And you explain that to the general contractor that's going to hire you. The general contractor is going to say, my customer is not going to pay an extra $20,000 because you want to pay over and above what the wages are, the going wages are for qualified people. The government jobs can force you to do it because they're paying for those jobs with your money. It's easy to be the bigger person. We are going to make sure our people, we at the city of Phoenix or whatever city, this one happens to be Phoenix, we at the city of Phoenix are going to make sure that our employees are well cared for with sick days and time off and and vacations and a great benefit package and a retirement plan. Man, that's easy to do when you're writing the check out of my bank account. It's easier to do. And what it also does is it takes the very qualified labor out of the private sector and the small companies that are trying to hire and keep their heads above water. And it's shifting that labor force where they naturally should go, where the better benefits and the higher money is. It's part of the problem with our economy. So there is a poll where uh, parents, adults, now are saying, the Wall Street Journal poll, that they are fearful because of inflation. No matter how much money you pay people, inflation keeps outpacing pay raises, that they are not able – to afford um, uh, to live anymore, and they don't believe their children will be financially better off than they are. That is what scares parents more than anything else. If there's one thing that keeps a parent motivated to working, even when it, they feel beaten down, and I wish, I wish, I wish I knew when I was younger what that feels like, because I may have been a little bit kinder to my mother when we couldn't have the things we wanted. I wouldn't have been such a brat when it came time to wanting something. I went out and just got a job and bought my own stuff. But when you're a kid and you just want something and you think you should have it because everybody else has it and you don't understand why your parents are telling you no, when you get older and you realize, well, this is why they had to tell me no, that's part of growing up. And the one thing that keeps parents motivated, even when they feel beat down, is that if I just keep working, I may break my back, but my kids will be better off than I am. They're afraid that's not going to happen. That's scary stuff. That is scary stuff. We're going to talk about water. 
And flooding. Are we out of the woods with flooding in the valley? We have had a lot of the flood warnings retracted, but that doesn't mean there aren't more coming. We'll talk about the good and the bad and the ugly next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Okay, we're going to get to this water topic in a moment, but uh, let's just pause. We just heard the report about a Phoenix officer being uh, shot. They're calling it a critical incident. We don't have any details on the condition of the officer. Um, keep it locked here to KTAR News for updates as they come in. <clears throat> but this is uh, exemplif- exemplifies, again, the reason why. I talk so much about law enforcement and public safety in general. These are the people that put themselves in harm's way. Uh, this is someone that went to work this morning. Uh, I don't know if it was a, a male or a female officer, but went to work this morning just planning on doing their jobs. And life's been altered for this person and their family. So um, if you want to keep them in your prayers, if you are a faithful person, this would be a great time to do it. Uh, but we will get you updates. And I'm trying to find out some answers myself and always concerned when you hear about this happening that you You might know the person very well, but whether you know them or you don't, it's just a sad situation. So we'll get more details as they come in. Um, Reservoirs are full. I want to give you some numbers, and I know that numbers can be boring at times, but I want you to hear what's going on. The question being asked, and this is from an AZ Central story, our Arizona Republic, um, how full are the Arizona dams and reservoirs? Roosevelt Lake, Roosevelt Dam, 101%. Roosevelt Lake is at 101% capacity. Bartlett Lake is at 97. Canyon Lake, uh, which is uh, Mormon Flat Dam and Apache Lake, uh, those are both at 94%. Uh, Horseshoe Lake is at 93%, and Saguaro Lake is at 92 Total reservoir system right now sits at 99% full. SRP is currently releasing about 300, and over a little over 33,000, almost 34,000 cubic feet per second at both the Bartlett and Stewart Mountain dams. The total inflow dwarfs that at about 58,099. So they are letting out less than is coming in, but we are still seeing huge amounts of water coming in. This is good news for the desert. I was just having this conversation with somebody recently. Um, it is rare that you see the things, and there's good and bad in everything, but here's what's happened or is going to happen. Um, uh, driving south on Tatum through Paradise Valley, um, I had to make that trek the other day going south on Tatum. Um, toward uh, Lincoln. And as you're making that drive, I have never seen Camelback Mountain as green as it was. It looks like it's covered in moss. It is, it's beautiful. The red rocks, tra- you know, again, contrasted by the green is beautiful. But what's going to happen is in the, in the months to come, as the rain dries up and we move into the summer and the dryness of the desert, all of that dries out and then it becomes a tinderbox. We are going to have a, a very difficult fire season. Um, but the idea that this is not great news, it is absolutely over the moon great news. That doesn't mean that you're out of the woods. It doesn't mean that we can take a deep breath and say, wow, the drought's over. Let's go back to doing the things we were doing before. No one is. No one believes that. Um, but the people that are politically motivated by some of this don't want anyone to take joy in how good things are right now. If you are someone that is an angler here, if you fish here in Arizona, if you own a boat, if you spend time on the lakes, this is amazing news. It is for the recreation part of it, but you also understand 
that you are looking at um, something you haven't seen in a long time, which is the reservoirs in Arizona are full. Um, what are we going to see now when we see runoffs start to happen as the winter turns to spring? Because we're having an extended winter in many places when the snow melt happens here in Arizona. But what about along the Colorado? Are we going to see now help? I don't believe that we're going to have enough of a snowpack to fill Lake Mead. We don't think that that's going to happen. But are we going to see a reversal of what we've seen in the last few years, which is now an increase in the water levels there? That would be an amazing thing. Why wouldn't we celebrate it? And that's the bigger issue for me on water. Um, Arizona has understood better than our neighbors to the west in California. We have had a greater understanding and a greater emphasis and priority on securing water, on storing water, underground aquifers, and the way we are able to trap and store water. We've done a much better job than our neighbors have. They're just now grasping the idea that they should be doing it in Southern California as well, and not all of their rainwater, and unfortunately they've been overrun with flooding as well, that all of their rainwater is running off into the ocean and they're not capturing it. We do. We do a much better job. Not perfect. I think we could still do a better job, but we see what's happening that we can do an excellent job of storing rainwater and doing squeezing every drop of water that we can out of the limited amount of rain we get. But why wouldn't we celebrate a winter like this? It's great for business at the ski resorts for sure, but the runoff that we're going to see and the ability to store it and to keep our reservoirs at higher levels is an excellent, at least temporary reprieve. The scare tactics of this isn't going to do anything and let's not applaud yet. Why wouldn't we applaud yet? You go and survive it into just one year, one summer, one summer month uh, through the summer months. You go through, if this is your first summer in Arizona, you're in for a treat. And when you're driving down the road on the freeway and it's always hotter on the freeway and the thermostat or the thermometer in your car is reading at 118 degrees and you think there's no way that can be true. And it is when you find yourself well into the 90s at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and you think there's no way it can be this hot. When we finally get a little break in the monsoon, even if it's a little bit of wind and rain, we celebrate. Nobody thinks that the drought is over. Nobody thinks we no longer live in a desert and we've become a rainforest. But we love the break. We welcome the break. So here we are in Arizona with the, and your 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 gut tells you your emotions say this is awesome. You know, I, I'm getting a little scared, you know, I'm I'm looking at Tempe Town Lake and I wouldn't get in a paddle boat out there right now. We're looking at what's happening in the washes that have been flooded out. Unfortunately, there were a couple of people that have been identified now that perished and thankfully it hasn't been more than the two that we know of. Um, but Overall, we're thankful that we've gotten a little bit of a pause in this. And then you listen to experts that talk about this, and they come on, and everything is doom and gloom. This is going to do nothing for the drought. We need eight or ten years of this to even make a small dent. So it's not time to applaud. It's not time to enjoy any of this. This is not necessarily a good thing. As a matter of fact, a lot of this water is going to be wasted. We're not going to keep any of it. I, you can say it. Your 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 silent. Your voice is not ringing true with people and what they see. Let people enjoy the reprieve. You know, you can still keep your the world's coming to an end signs up. We get it. We understand that we still have a drought to deal with. But let people enjoy the fact that right now they're seeing a pause in all of this.
So in a moment, we're going to go back to a topic. I had somebody send me an email and ask me, why are you talking about this? Well, there's updated information. Uh, the election integrity conversation has been going on for a very long time in Arizona, but it ramped up a couple of months ago as a freshman representative named Liz Harris um, had a – there was a, a – it was a um, – there were testimony in a hearing going on with the House and the Senate combined, and she allowed testimony in from a witness that made outrageous accusations, and we don't seem to have any proof of those accusations – And even the Republican leader in the House and the Republican leader in the Senate called her out for it. And there's an ethics investigation going on. That's the new update. We'll talk about the ethics hearing and the investigations going on here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We'd like to hear from you. If you'd like to send a message to Al, just text the word Al to 620-620 and submit a video thanking Al McCoy. We may even play it on the air. Text Al to 620-620. So let's get back to the topic at hand. There's a reason why we're discussing this, and it goes back a ways. In, in the midst of uh, election integrity and all the conversation that's gone on about what there was a joint hearing going on at the legislature, House members, Senate members, and leadership was there. <clears throat> I believe the leadership was there. And um, Representative Liz, Liz Harris, she is a freshman. She allowed testimony by a witness. Um, Her guest was a Scottsdale insurance agent named Jacqueline Breger, uh, presented in allegations at a joint Senate House Election Committee hearing. Um, And so according to – in response to the outcry, because the the allegations were outrageous, it involved both Republicans and Democrats in the state offices and some of them in local offices, but political leaders, including the mayor of Mesa and some – the secretary of state, who is now the governor and other people that there was this weird land deal going on with deeds and bribes and the cartels are bribing political leaders in Arizona. There has not been one shred of proof to that end um, at all. It is an accusation at this point. And it was brought into this legislative body, and the accusations were made without any kind of proof. Leadership responded right away. House Speaker Ben Toma uh, spoke out about it right away. The Senate President Warren Peterson spoke out about it, saying that it's unsubstantiated. Some other members and Senate leadership came out and said it's inappropriate. You wouldn't see this on the Senate side of things. Now, that wasn't a slap at the House, but they do it. They say, you know, you've got to have proof when you say things like this. Um, In a three-page response to the ethics complaint, Harris did not mention what she knew about the allegations before allowing this Persis Breger to present them. She denied the complaints charged that she committed disorderly conduct, saying her actions didn't meet common definitions of the terms, such as creating a hazardous or physically offensive condition or using language to create the possibility of injury or breach of peace. Um, it contains a lengthy explanation of how the Arizona Constitution affords people the right to freely speak to their elected officials, especially when they feel that laws could help block the danger of maladministered elections. This has nothing to do with elections. Nothing. Um, 
So it said Republican lawmakers have run run from the motion to censure Liz Harris for drug cartel smear, it says. Um, in fact, both the House and the Senate have rules that bar any speaker from disparaging lawmakers or political parties. And lawmakers have ordered people giving testimony in committee hearings not to use terms including conspiracy theory while speaking. She invited her lawmaker peers in love and peace to obey the oath they swore to the state constitution. So um, when talking about the accusations, um, despite her insistence in a letter that Breger and Thaler, who were involved in this, had the right to present their claims, Harris released a short statement to her followers on Telegram on February 28th that the presentation was not sufficient to substantiate these extraordinary claims. So she's got no proof. And she covered herself, hope she thinks, legally and politically by saying none of this has been substantiated. But we allowed people to come in here, throw out political leaders' names out of both political parties, and allow them to say that these accusations exist. It's outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. I don't care what political party you're from. This is outrageous. And I, I'll tell you, I, I mentioned this, the real life experience that happened to me. I was at an event and someone came up to me and said, well, how could they say this if it wasn't true? Meaning, because it was said in the state legislature, there must be some credibility to it because they couldn't say it there if it wasn't true. So they're lending credibility to a baseless accusation because it was the words were uttered in front of a joint hearing at the state legislature. So the location was giving credibility to some people. I, it's outrageous to me. It is absolutely outrageous to me. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think and I don't know. I have no um, nothing to base this on other than what I've witnessed. I don't think Representative Harris cares what you or I think. Sometimes that's good, sometimes not so much. But the fact that I think it's outrageous, I don't think it bothers her one bit. She has, she is a one-issue agenda person, and that is election integrity. She believes the election was stolen, and until the state legislature, which it's never going to do, until the state legislature or courts or somebody else comes out and says affirmatively that the election was stolen, she is going to be a fly in the ointment at the legislature until she's voted out of that position. And I'll tell you, she was voted in legally by her constituents. And if they are happy with her performance, elect her again. If you're not happy with her performance, find someone else and send a message. You can agree with somebody in principle. There are a lot of people that agree with her in principle. And I'm telling you, and I'm defending these people to the death. I don't agree with them because I don't think the election was stolen. But I know good people that believe it was. They wouldn't behave this way. They don't think this is okay. And she is now the poster child for election integrity. She shouldn't be, but she's the face of it. And I think she's happy about it. That's just my opinion and what, based on what I've witnessed. What we're going to do just after 11 o'clock, we're going to go back to the crime and punishment topic. Uh, another murderer suspect is out on bond and accused of another murder. And a Phoenix police officer gunned down in the line of duty. Next.